0: Well, it is time to get started, and yes, I moved the room around. Tim helped me design it; he did most of the work. There's a blue compass. Its alarms going off right now. There's a blue compass. Yeah, blue Jeep, blue, Jeep blue compass. Blue Jeep compass outside with its alarms going off right now. All right. I promise, that no matter where you sit, the Holy Spirit will find you. And I'm also on the other side of the room, which is kind of different for me, but I moved it so that our brothers and sisters who are joining us online can see me better, um, because they are, the camera's there, and they wanted to be able to see me better. So um, this, uh, this will work out better for us. Um, yeah, did you guys enjoy your week off last week? No? No? We were supposed to have a, uh, a, a singing last week, last Tuesday, and, uh, and that fell through, and I was already on vacation, so nothing happened, but um, I enjoyed my time off. I had a, a, good, uh, a good break with, um, I learned some things, put some pa- passages in the Bible together that I've been wrestling with, and now I have a bunch more questions. So, But I got some answers. Yeah, so, so it's been fun. Uh, today we're going to continue in with ancient church history. So let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer and then I'm going to ask that those get passed out. Father, we just praise you today, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful blessing and just gathering us together, Lord. We're we're working through church history. I pray that you just edify and grow us in this this time, and we just uh, um, work within uh, this this time of faith, and we we learn the history, but we 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 use it to see how we have have grown closer to you, and times we've done wrong, and learn from this experience. This, as you. We know you did not stop with the New Testament. You kept going on through history, and we just pray that you just reveal yourself to us throughout history as we, we, we study and we learn and, and we fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Uh, there's a handout coming out. It'll look something like this. We're talking about defense of the faith. Um, When we talk about defense of the faith, there's a word we use for that. Do you guys know what that word is? Defense of the faith. Apologetics. And you can get whole degrees in apologetics. And in ways, all of us are called to be apologists at some level. You know, the Bible tells us, be ready to give an answer for the faith you have, right? Right? And so in ways, we are all called to be apologists. We defend our faith. And I think, you know, especially one thing I'm seeing um, in dealing with younger people is that we need to do a better job in knowing answers for the hard questions. Because those hard questions come up, and if we, you know, parents... But as you know, mentors, uh, you know, teachers, if we don't have the answers or at least don't know how to go get the answers when it is answered, they're going somewhere else to get it. And they're gonna go to TikTok. And I guarantee you they're not gonna get the right answer on TikTok. They're gonna go to Facebook well, not Facebook. Facebook's dying out. I don't know if you guys know this, but only old people are on Facebook now. <laughs> uh the young people are like, no, I don't want Facebook, that's where my parents are at. <laughs> uh, that's why that's why your your Facebook and your Instagram, you're starting to see more things that are more closer to TikTok because they're trying to change the algorithms to compete with TikToks and bring some of these younger folks back in. It hasn't worked so far, but who knows. Um But yeah, so so when we talk about defense of faith, we use the word apologetics. If you look on this piece of paper, there's actually two words we're going to talk about, apologist and uh, polemicist, and we'll talk about those. We're going to talk about apologists first, though. Um, We've been talking about church history, and during the second, third centuries, the church is seeking right doctrine we you know we, we talked about how we were you know there was false doctrines out there we talked about things like donatism and monotists and the and the uh, gnostics and the you know all these 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 other things that were coming out inside the church and they're trying to decide how do we express the faith of jesus christ how do we stay true to jesus teaching and all these other things how do we figure things out this is not going to change we're still doing that in ways Um, But the church also has to, as it expresses itself outward into um, the world around it, outside of the, you have to deal with, well, what about the Jewish people that are arguing with you? What about the, uh, how do you answer the questions from the Jewish people? How do you answer the questions from the Greeks or from the people from the, the Alexandria or or uh, you know, as it spreads, we have to ask, how do we deal with these these questions that are coming up, and within government, so they're they're facing hostile governments, they're facing uh, persecution, they're facing, and we're not talking about like persecution, like sometimes we think, well, I'm being persecuted because you know they gave me a, they didn't like you know gave gave me a, a speeding ticket, you know, uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about. Uh, uh, you know, actual persecution where people are dying. And um, and so we're, we're trying to see, and so they have to uh, defend the faith, people that are converting into Christianity from uh, paganism or, you know, all the different areas. Um, and, and then, uh, like the Paloma, uh, uh, Palomacists are, are dealing with, are trying to meet the challenge of the heretical movements within the church. Um, and so you've got all these things. So, you, so, you know, and just like today, you have things that we have to learn to deal with. And, um, and, and as you read these ancient church history books, um, you're going to see that they are trying to defend the faith. And we get a feel for what is being taught, how they're dealing with Greek philosophy that they're coming in contact with, Asia, uh, Eastern philosophies, um, all these other things. And we're going to see a split. Like, okay, so let's talk about apologists. In the apologist world, you're actually going to have Eastern apologists and Western apologists because they look at the world differently. Uh, if you use um, the Western world, would be like Europe. You know, Greece, there's a mountain range right there that kind of separates itself from what we call the eastern world, which would be like modern-day Turkey and um, and, and Israel, well, Israel today, but Alexandria would be an eastern one, even though that's in northern Africa. Um, so we're not really talking Asia yet. That's the, the church has not, has there are, have been people that have gone out there but they're not really being the influential characters right now in church history. So we really got these, these people that are dealing with the Eastern world because they think of the world one way, and you got the Western world, which really thinks of the world differently. Think about uh, today's society. We have, uh, I hate to use this one, Republicans and Democrats, Right? All people of one faith or or one country, but we see the world very differently. See the world very differently. It's not just a difference of opinion on different matters. The whole way we view the world is becoming very different. And so when you look at the east the apologists, it's the same kind of thing. You have to look at the there's Eastern and Western they see the world very differently so you, you so you read um apologists and you know they're from the eastern world because they ha they see the world very differently than the western world um, yeah. So let's talk about some apologists. I'm not going to talk about all the apologists that we could talk about, but let's let's talk about um, a big uh, one of the big names, Justin the Martyr. Justin Martyr, he is circa 100 to 165 AD. Now everyone knows what I mean when I say circa, right? Circa means around. Okay. He was probably the foremost apologist of the second century. Um, Born near the biblical town of uh, Shechem. He uh, became a wandering philosopher in search of truth. And he tries uh, Stoic philosophy, uh, Stoic philosophy, That'd be like Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, um, and as he deals with some of these things, he um, he he, he doesn't he's not satisfied. He tries things like numerical philosophy, like uh, Pythagoras. How many of you guys remember your Pythagorean theory, Right? Yeah. Remember that long theorem you had to learn in, in, in geometry? That, that You know, I know that dreaded class, geometry. The Pythagoras, Pythagorean theory is actually part of a, a philosophy um, that has changed math forever, for the better, but he had this whole religious, philosophical uh, teachings around his theorem, and so uh, there are still people that were, that, that study the plagiarism theory in a religious manner. Um, pretty interesting study, but not really what we're talking about today. So, I'm not going to get into that. But um, one day, while Justin is walking along the seashore, an old man directed him to the scriptures as the true philosophy, and... Um, and, and and as he read the scriptures, it led him to find, uh, th- I guess, the peace he craved. Um, and you can read about this in his dialogue with Tripo, which is uh, what probably his, his uh, main works. And if you're looking on your piece of paper, it's it's that one right there. Okay. Um, Tripo, tripo, I've heard it pronounced both ways. I don't know which one's the right way. Shortly after, uh, in around 150, Justin the martyr addressed his first apology to the emperor, uh, Pius, and his adopted son, urging the emperors to examine and change uh, their charges against Christians. And uh, to free them from the liabilities, if they were innocent, uh, he uses his his stoic his his philosophical background to make arguments towards the Roman emperor um, to make the case that Christians were not atheists and were not idolaters. All the th- you know remember we talked about when we talked about persecution. One of the things that, that Christians were Accused of was they were atheists because they didn't believe in the gods. They were idolaters because they weren't they were worshiping. They were not worshiping idols, and um, and so you know he will use his he will use his skills that he learned as a philosopher to um, to argue against the persecution that the emperor is doing. And uh, he will, he will um, attribute the, the, the evil influence to the work of demons um, and, and call for the freedom from persecution. Successful or not is arguable depending on how you read history. But it is a very good example of what Christians were believing at the time and how they were using Greek philosophy to appeal to those in power and those are not in power to defend against the to defend the faith the faith. Um, Justin will also have uh, works that will. Uh, try to convince Jews of their messianic um, uh, of the messianic uh, faith. See, apologists, all of these apologists up there and more. They 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 aim to um, go up against the false charges of you remember atheism. Uh, cannibalism, that was another one they, they brought up, incest, uh, indulgence, antisocial actions towards their neighbors. Uh, these are things that they will seek to argue against, but they're also trying to um, win people to the faith, and they're trying to, uh, to contrast Christianity with Judaism, pagan religion, state worship, and sh- trying to show that they were sinful and foolish things. So um, so he's going uh, this side. Um, a um, Taton, I don't know if he's on this piece of paper. Uh-uh. Anyways, uh, Tatian. A widely traveled Eastern scholar was the pupil of Justin in Rome, and he wrote an address to the Greeks after the middle second century, um, using the apologetic forms um, in which he he seeks to. Um, argue Christianity's superiority to the Greek faith uh, the Greek religions and declare that Moses um, was over the the others and that uh, and and, and um, Now, as he is preaching, around the time uh, 177 comes along, there's a, a man named uh, Athen Goras, who's a professor in Athens. And he's uh, been converted to the scriptures, and he writes a, a work called Supplication for the Christians, after stating the charges of the Christians in his introductory chapters, he refutes the charge of atheism made against the Christians, showing the pagan gods were merely human creation, and the pagan gods were, the, were guilty of the same immoralities as their human followers, and that Christ was bigger because he was not guilty of the same things that the, the causes of immorality. Um, Yeah, I'm going to skip him. Instead, I'm going to show a short video, not a cartoon.
1: Athenagora's plea for the Christians demonstrates a refined philosophical argument defending the cause of persecuted Christians in the later second century church little is known of the author himself. Athenagoras's name does not even appear in the work or in Eusebius's ecclesiastical history, which attempted to list major Christian writings in the early church era. However, Athenagoras's style is distinct as someone with extensive training in the philosophy of Plato and in Greco-Roman rhetoric. Athens itself was well known as a center for politics and education during the golden era of classical Greece, Following the Roman invasion of 146 BC, Athens' emphasis on philosophical education continued well into the next few centuries. Christian apologists, that is, those who defended and explained the Christian faith, commonly used Greco-Roman rhetoric to support their cause and argue for human rights to be extended to the Christian community. Apologists also corrected misconceptions about what non-Christians believed in matters of Christian faith and practice. Athenagoras' plea was addressed to Emperor Marcus Aurelius and his son Commodus. Since these two co-ruled the Roman Empire from AD 176 to 180, it's likely the plea for the Christians was written to address an outbreak of Christian persecution in the year 177. A plea for the Christians begins by reminding the emperors that they had allowed the indigenous people they ruled to continue their own religious practices, no matter how absurd those practices may have seemed to the Roman mind. Therefore, their entire empire experienced peace, all except for the Christians who were being persecuted, not because they did anything wrong, but because they simply bore the name Christian. Since no other people had been persecuted merely because they claimed the name of their founder or religion, it was unethical for anyone to persecute Christians merely for bearing the name of Christ. Athenagoras next addressed three main accusations, of which the Christians in his day had been falsely accused. First, they were being falsely accused of atheism. Now, this may sound strange to the modern ear to hear anyone accuse Christianity of being an atheistic religion. However, the word atheism was used to refer to the fact that Christians did not believe in a God they could see with their eyes, especially in the form of an idol, planet, or stars. Athenagoras explained that Christians do acknowledge the existence of God, but only one God, the maker of the universe, who himself is uncreated. Athenagoras explained that followers of Zeus did not see him, but recognized his works on the earth, so why were the followers of Zeus not also called atheists? Even Christians' monotheism, or belief in one God, was commonly upheld by philosophers like Philolaus, Lysis, and Opsimus, Pythagoras, Plato, Aristotle, and the Stoics. Athenagoras explained logically it would be impossible for two or more gods to exist because then one or more of them would have to be incomplete or imperfect. To be truly God, he must have pre-existed matter and brought matter into being. Citing the words of their own poets, Athenagoras reminded his readers that their gods were described as ugly, nonsensical, ridiculous, rude, and stupid. The early church apologists, even under fear of persecution, spoke boldly and were not worried about offending the sensitivities of their readers when making spirit-led, logical points in their arguments. Athenagoras explained that idols who have no ability to live or move must wait on their followers to move them. Thus, they were no gods, for they were weak. The second false accusation against Christians was that they participated in Thyestean feasts. In other words, they were accusing the Christians of being cannibals. Again, this may sound strange to the modern ear, but the false accusation was made based on a literal understanding of the celebration of the Eucharist. Jesus taught his followers to continue a ceremony in which bread and wine were consumed as reminders of the sacrificial death of Jesus' body and blood, respectively. Athenagoras explained that Christians would have to kill someone before eating them literally, and since Christians abhor death and all violence, it would be impossible for this to happen in the first place. This included drug-induced abortions, which Christians considered to be murder they believed the fetus to be a human being in an early developmental stage and therefore the object of god's care they also believed that people who gave birth to babies and then abandoned them on their doorsteps a deplorable yet common practice in those days were also guilty of infanticide the third false accusation against christians was that they were engaging in group sex or polyamory because of their referring to their loving one another Athenagoras explained that because Christians were so focused on the next life, they couldn't bring themselves willfully to sin. They didn't believe they would merely cease to exist or be annihilated when they died. Therefore, they lived their current lives with a motivation to enter the next life without shame. He also explained that Christians took their sexual purity so far that they believed lust is the ethical equivalent of adultery they took their sexual purity so far that they believed even sex in marriage was solely for the purpose of procreation rather than indulging physical appetites, and taking a second wife, regardless of whether the first wife was still alive or dead, was also a form of adultery. Beyond defending Christian behavior, Athenagoras reminded his readers that the false accusers and even their gods were guilty of sexual sins too. In conclusion, Athenagoras asked Marcus Aurelius and Commodus to reconsider the accusations as false and see Christians, instead, as people who pray for them and the peace and prosperity of the empire. In this classic apologetic letter, Athenagoras refuted three false accusations, demonstrated the superiority of Christian monotheism to the polytheism of their false accusers, and assured the emperor and his son that Christians were beneficial to them and to the Roman Empire. Thank you for watching this video. Don't forget...
0: All right, yes. You know, as I think about this, um, the charges in that video, and if you're watching online, you notice you could not see the video. It's because of copyright material... You have to go to the YouTube and watch it where it's found. I'll put a link in there where it's found. But um, I think about these things and, you know, because what apologists do is they hear a claim against Christianity and then they refute it or defend it as superior. So they either refute it, say this is false, let me tell you what's really happening, or let me tell you why it's the superior way. This is the same practice we see today. This is what an apologist does today. So if you read, you know, any of the apologists, you know, uh, Lee Strobel or, or Jay Warner Wallace or uh, um, there's a hundred, you know, different apologists out there. The, they're doing the same exact same thing that they were doing then. Is they were either saying, okay, what you said was not true or only partially true, well, let me explain what's really happening. Or you say, well, that's true. Let me explain why it's the better way. Uh, as in the case we don't worship your gods, they, you know, said, you know, your gods are gods. You know they're just idols. They have they're lesser because you have to wait for them to move. You have to move them yourself. Um, you know, so it's it's um, it's this challenge to, and, and this is the same thing. And so you'll see these things today. And some of the same, you know, we don't get called cannibalist anymore, but there's still much that people don't understand about like Eucharist and. And some of that's because of our own bad teachings, you know, our inability to teach, and some, you know, and, and these things. So, um, so you know, and like, and, all right. So these ones we've been talking about, Justin Martyr, Athenagoras, these are all considered Eastern uh, apologists, uh, Western apologists, um, one of my personal favorites, Tertullian um he was born in um, in 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 Rome oh well to a roman century in, in i think he was living in Carthage anyways and he was trained in greek and latin uh very well versed in 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 the uh the art of um, uh, the speech. And uh, he had a fiery nature. And it, it, this fiery nature within him pushed him towards more of a Puritan approach to life. Uh, things like Montanism, which we already talked about. A uh, uh, pro, uh drew to him. And, um, and so he will write an apology to, uh, in defense of the Roman faith, and you can read those. They're all free online because uh, they're way past their uh, copyright date. Um, actually, I think some of his works are in that book's You just Guys Just Got Me on, on Sunday um which I'm geeking out about and looking forward to reading but um, but the apologists you know he does, he writes one apologist to the Roman governor of his province to refute old charges against Christianity and uh, say they were loyal citizens of the emperor sorry not Emperor Empire and uh, point that that Persecution is a, a failure anyway because Christians multiply in time of, uh, of persecution. So, which is historically true. When, and even today, places where persecution is happening the strongest is where Christianity is growing the largest. Think about today, like where we live, persecution not happening, very comfortable. What's happening to Christianity? It's shrinking. But in areas like China and Africa, where Christianity is actively being persecuted, is where we're also seeing the largest areas of growth in the in the Christian world. Um, and so he'll ma- he'll make that statement early on, and um, and write. Uh, in defense of the morals of Christianity saying that you know you shouldn't be persecuting us, we actually live better lives than those around us. You know, we're better citizens because of our faith. You know, but we have a higher moral standard that keeps us and makes us better citizens. Uh, this is a, a bust of um, miscellaneous uh, I know I could talk. I came in here talking. Min- Mincius Felix, uh, about two hundred, and he writes a dialogue called Octavius, not Doctor Octavius from Spider-Man. This Octavius um, was an apology designed to win his friend. From the pagan faith to Christianity. And it's an interesting, right, because it, it is, it's not like, okay, we're trying to win a whole large group of people or we're going to win the Roman emperor. This is written at a very personal level. He's trying to win his friend over to the faith. And as you read it, it's very personable, And he's arguing, what his friend, why his friend was arguing, and he's arguing against the pagan faith and saying, you know, arguing that Christianity is superior and, 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 uh, and, uh, had a, a larger moral rationale and, um, and he, he will use philosophy and all these things to show that Christianity is, is a better faith than his pagan faith. Um, Whether it accomplishes their their purpose, we actually don't know. We don't know if his friend was won over. Um. But we do know that it was, but it is very interesting. One of the things I love about reading this is we get to see what the people there were struggling with. As they were coming in contact with Christianity, sometimes for the first time, sometimes with what they've heard, hearsay, we get to see what people are hearing about Christianity, what they're thinking about Christianity, what their other face, how they're defending them against their other face. Very fascinating. I think one of the things that we we can learn as we read this is because we are constantly coming up against people that are of other beliefs. And we can learn about how we deal with, how we we, we need to be uh, always, you know, not, the word apologist means defense of the faith. It's, uh, we we often use the word apology, like like I'm saying, I'm sorry. That's not what apologist means, defense of the faith. And so we we are constantly like, why this faith? Why Christianity? You know, you come across someone who believes in Islam. Which I know it sounds, for some of you, that's like crazy. Some of you guys already know people that are Islamic. And you're like, why Christianity? Why Christianity over, say, something that's similar to it, like uh, Mormonism, which is not of the same faith? Or FLDS, which is fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. Or, uh, you know, Wicca is actually growing in popularity. Um, you know, Why? Why your faith? And we can learn from these as we discover what the faith is. Now, these those are the, the, the apologists. On the other side, the uh, you know the polemicists. Now, polemic, does anyone know what that big word means? Polemic. Yeah, that's a fun word. We don't use it anymore, do we? It means a verbal or written attack on someone or something. Uh, You know, in some ways it is like politics. Uh, You know, while apologists of the 2nd century seek to give a rational explanation and justification of Christianity to the authorities and to the friends, polemicists of the late 2nd century, early 3rd century endeavor to meet the challenges of false teaching by heretics with aggressive condemnation of the false teaching and the heretical teachers. So this is more directed to people that are claiming, to be part of the faith and say, no, that is not what we teach. That is not Jesus. That is not Christianity. Um, so it's, it's more... This, this is more directed to people that are very religious and starting to teach something that's similar but different. So this would be... Why I think Mormonism is wrong. You ever heard someone say that? That's a polemic argument because they are... Attacking, verbally attacking, Mormonism. Apologists is defending the faith. Why I think Christianity is superior to Mormonism. Why I think this way is superior to it. Let me explain. Why, if you're verbally attacking the faith, the Mormonism, that's a polemic. Uh, same with Islam. So let me explain what Christianity believe why how is that different than islam and why i think it's better that's apologist why i disagree with uh, why you know attacking islam is well this is what you believe this is why it's wrong this is that's polemicist um and so you're going to see these as you read the early writings and you know, I know some of you are like, I'm never going to read this stuff. But some of you are like, I'm actually interested in this. You're, you're like, I want to read some of these people. Uh, you're going to see um, polemicists out there. They're going to attack um, p- uh, pagan. Uh, the you know, I I never have liked that word pagan, but pagan religion and what it means, and um, and give examples of. Uh, metaphysical problems and you know and, and Western philosophy they're going to attack Western philosophy in different ways. Um, and a lot of this comes because as people are being converted to the faith uh, from paganism or from others' philosophies, they're bringing their own faith with them which we see today. I mean, that should not surprise us. Anyone who came to Jesus later in life knows you take your old self with you. And that gets transformed and renewed. But you don't just like, oh, well, that was then. And it comes with you. And so as you develop thoughts, and so some people develop thoughts that are wrong. And unfortunately... A lot. Of, sometimes these people are very influential and start to get voices, and 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 you have to, you know. And that's not something that's really unnorm you know, unnormal. We see we see that today all the time. Um, you know, someone comes to Christ, but they're very much they you know practice yoga and Buddhist meditation, and and they they think well. Uh, when I say meditation, how many of you guys think of something like clearing your mind, Eastern-Western meditation? Very common. But the word meditation in the Scriptures, very different. It's a The word meditation in the Scriptures actually is closer to, like, mutter. Talk to oneself. So when you meditate in the Scriptures... You're talking to oneself. You're talking to yourself. You're, you're wrestling with the scriptures. You're talking about it. You're, you're focusing on. You're going. You, you're. You know. Well, you know. That's an interesting verb. That, that word. That verb is there. What does that mean in relationship to? you know. Uh, you know. Is this? You know. The Lord is. my Well, Lord. Well, Lord. What does it mean? by Lord. Is it earthly Lord? God. What, okay. Means God. What? What is God? Who is God? All these things that God is. We're meditating. We're talking to ourselves the you know, Lord is God, you know, I, he, I, I, you know, he is my shepherd. What is a shepherd? What is, I shall not want. What does it mean not to want? You know, does that mean I don't have needs? Do I, I mean, you know, we wrestle with these. That's what meditation on the scripture means. Very different than the Eastern meditation, which is the idea is to accept and release, right? You know, and focus on your breath and, and, and because you're trying to. Build up energy and 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 you know everything is a cloud just floating by. Try to and I'm not saying that all Buddhist meditation is unhealthy, but it's not Christian meditation. That's not what it means when we say the word when we say meditate. It's a total different meaning. And so, you know, and so we, we should accept that these things are way back then. They were coming in. You know, we still have to deal with that. As you know, I've, I've just some of you guys are like, well, I've been practicing Eastern meditation, part of my Christian faith, for years now. i got to go think about this. You know? Uh, you know, and, and, and so we should expect that then, as they're bringing the Christian faith in, you know, as we're speaking, we're in the, the second century, second, third that's two to three hundreds. It's still a baby religion. It's still in its infancy. A lot of times we don't like to think about that, but it's still really young. The scriptures have not even been finalized yet. While this is all going on, we don't even have the Bible like we know it today. These lists of passages that are okay and lists that are not okay are developing, and you can go read those. We have lots of those, So that's how these things these things develop over time. It's not like one group of person got together and said, "Oh, well, these are okay, and these are not." These things develop over time because they're looking at common usage. Does it match with everything else? You know, uh, you know the authority of the people above us and what they were using, and you know all these different things. And so, but the Bible itself has not been been uh, finalized. This. Of course, it's not even close to the time of the printing press yet. That does not come until much later. Uh, You know, a thousand years, you know. We've got a thousand more years before we get to the printing press days. Uh, So very young and infancy. So we have these people that are, you know, yes, they're handwriting. And they're saying we have to. How do we, def, you know, defend the faith and how do we attack those who are coming up and coming in with these things that, that do not match up with what is coming down to us and what what Jesus taught? Um, and so the apolemicists, unlike apologists, um, the... Uh, the polemicists think to condemn by uh, false teachings. Um, they will emphasize the New Testament. Like, oh, uh, a lot of apologists turn to the Old Testament because they're dealing with like, why superior to the Jews, right? They're talking to the Jews, you've got to turn to the Old Testament, right? Polemicists tend to focus on the New Testament. And so we start seeing this development of what the New Testament actually is in the polemicist writings. Very so this I mean so if you're what this is one of the things that we're really excited when you read these you're like, Wow, that's we're seeing the New Testament develop as they're you're writing these things. And uh and so they will use it as a source of Christian doctrine and uh, exp, uh argue against false teachings and 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 uh and turn to the apostolic fathers who had sought to edify the church and so they will uh, you know, so these things are are being developed very fascinating Um, another one of these uh, polemicists, and he's going to be focused mostly on internal attacks from, you know, within the church this is Irenaeus of Lyons um, who is a Anti-Gnostic polemicist. Remember that word Gnostic, that group that was growing within the church. They were seeking that knowledge, you had to have that secret knowledge within the church. Irenaeus, he's the guy. Remember, I told you we were going to talk about uh, the Gnostics. The, you know, we're actually going to see the Gnostic come up quite, a, quite a few times. But Irenaeus is one of the guys. He's going to be the one of the main guys to argue for. Uh, against the uh, the Gnostics, and uh, Irenaeus, who's born in Smyrna, influenced by Polycarp, uh, you know he's going to go to Gaul, become he's going to become bishop, uh, he's a missionary, and uh, his, you know his work uh, adversus on heresy, you know, on heresies. Uh, is an attempt to refute the Gnostic doctrines by using the scriptures and the traditions. And it's written about 180, I want to say 185 BC. 80, BC, 80. we're in the 80s. Year of our Lord. Or C, if that makes you more offensive. Or, you know, Christian era. I'm okay with that too. But uh, this work, it's a philosophic uh, polemicist, polemic against uh, a man named Valentinian, the leader of the Roman school of Gnosticism. Uh, In book two, Irenaeus insists on the unity of God in opposition to the Gnostic idea of the demiurge just you know, remember, remember that we were talking about Gnosticism. You know, I went through all these things for a reason. Uh, the demiurge was that God that was less than the true God, and he, you know, he was the God of the Old Testament, and he's going to. Irenaeus is going to be arguing against this idea of the demiurge, and um, and so he's he's going to argue against. He's going to. Argue in, in in book three, uh, Marcion condemn. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, that was in book four. He condemns Marcion. Um, in book three, he refutes this. Uh, uh, the uh, he, he seeks to uh, give a a positive exposition of Christian position. Um, anyways. One thing that Irenaeus does that you may or may not like is in uh, book three, uh, he emphasizes the organic unity of the church through the apostolic succession of its leaders and the rule of faith, which is what leads, helps lead to the idea of the... Remember, the Pope hasn't been developed yet. That's yep. not yet. But the bishops, you, you pass it on, and he's going to start developing this idea. And so he's going to be in support of this. Uh, the idea is um, that the church should be unified as it's passed on by uh, the apostolic father leadership. So disciple makes the leader leader makes disciple disciple becomes leader leader and becomes leader and makes more disciples and they pass upon this apostolic way um and so that becomes that'll eventually develop into what bishops you know into a pope like structure um not yet though but it is that is coming
1: um
0: Let's read a little bit of uh, Irenaeus. Uh, now, this obviously is translated uh, into English. He does not speak English. Um, I have to throw that out there. It used to be self-evident. But I was at church one day, and I had a man talk to say, tell me that if the King James Version of the Bible was good enough for Jesus, then it was good enough for him. So I have to throw this out there that this has been translated into English. Uh, it, Jesus probably spoke Aramaic. Oh, this one—it um, was probably written in. Uh, it could have been written. I—I I know it in Latin, but it could have been written in Greek first. I don't know what Irenaeus—he was—but uh, probably more like Latin. Um. Wherefore, it is incumbent to obey the presbyters, see, that idea, this, the, the, the those who are teach, who are in the church, those who, as I have shown, possess the succession from the apostles, those who, together with the succession of the episcopate, big words, huh, episcopate uh, church leaders, have received the s- s- certain gift of God according to the good pleasures of the Father, but it is also the incumbent who holds in suspicion others who have departed from the primate secession and themselves together in place, any place, whosoever, looking upon them, either as heretic or persevering mind as... And he goes on in this way. Um supporting this and he turns as he reads this and I'll go to some of the wordings at the end there. As you read this he's turning to, he turns to uh, like Jeroboam in the Old Testament saying we need to like have succession just like Jeroboam was, uh, had a a succession and so we need to have the succession that was passed on just like in the Old Testament. So um, very interesting Um, and, of course, you guys can read this online um, or in a book. Uh, I recommend Lightfoot's work on um, this. Yeah. All right. We're almost out of time. Maybe I should stop there. Yeah, we're definitely not going to get there. Let's just stop there. Uh, any questions or we'll, we'll pick up with the Alexandrian school, um, which uh, flows out of Irenaeus and uh, other apologists as we go. Um, we'll pick that up later. Yeah. Two at the top. There it is right there. Okay. What is, a, what does it mean? That is what will become the word. You might know it as bishop. Okay. Presbyter. they develop into those those ideas they do do. presbyterian becomes uh um more like eventually becomes like people the presbyters the people of and the uh, and the episcopate becomes the church leaders the uh, episcopal means leadership and it will develop i don't know exactly now i'm not an expert in how these words develop but they will develop into those words um this translation is actually using a medieval kind of way of translating it. Um, think uh, 1500s. Uh, so, so this would have been uh, about kind of the same kind of language that we were writing in, in England and stuff like that at the time of the Reformation. So the Reformation was largely meant by Germans. So... Martin Luther and Zwingli, well, Zwingli was German, Swedish, no, yeah, Swedish, but we're not there yet. (laughs) God did not stop moving just because our Bibles did. It's so amazing what God is continuing to do throughout our history and how he's going to take us. Into these times and how he's going to use people to, to, to grow what will become the church today. Yes we can argue that oh we're away from it now or we need to get back to this idea or that idea and these things are good but we've grown so much and how we've changed and all this is part of our history you know we're sitting in this church right now believing the things we do speaking the way we do about certain issues because of these people right here um, as we get into Alex, school of Alexandria, the Carthage school, and then we're going to start talking about things like uh, bishops and development of the faith and the Apostles' Creed. That one's coming up. Um, so, anyways, any other questions? All right. Well, someone close us out in prayer and we'll be done for the night. Amen. Thank you, Wendy.